On this week's General Admission, we're excited to bring you another Roadmaps interview where we'll be joined by our friend Matt to break down all things Silverstein. Before that, we get into the latest Yellow Card Tour, some Front Bottoms news, a new Skrillex album, and the new Screaming Females album. Okay, let's go. Welcome to General Admission. Today is February 23rd. Yes. And dynamic pricing is still really, really stupid. And it's getting worse. It's so bad. I I, I got to start here, even though we started here what feels like every five episodes. This is a new started. low, though. So, you're talking about the Yellow Card Tour? Yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, so Yellow Card, like right after last week's episode, too. It's like, damn, like, I wanted to talk about this. Um, announce an Ocean Avenue tour, which, hold on, I'll, I'll get to that. They announced an Ocean Avenue tour, anniversary tour, 20 years, 20 years. Wild. Um, with... Amberlynn, story of the year. Um, I forget who else. I know the date we the date by us in Jersey is yellow card and story of the year, which that's real nice. Real nice. I don't think I've ever seen story of the year, and I really like them. So new album I, coming out. Yeah. Another single came out. I didn't listen though. I'm sticking, I'm sticking with you. Are they just is putting they, out the whole album? I mean, that's a, this is a separate conversation, but yeah, <laughs> there's got to be at least six songs from whatever album is coming. But um, anyway, so great lineup, and I mean Ocean Avenue. We we are like the demo. Like if you're thirty to like probably thirty to forty, I would say anyone in, somewhere in there would have definitely like came up on this album like this yeah, was the sweet spot yeah this was a album that got a lot of play time to no one's surprise and for all the yellow card i listened to like this is really the only album i know like front to back the rest was just like random songs i liked same so this was super super worth it show summer stage um july 6th so we planned let's just take off from the fourth through the like what a great excuse to take off extra days after the fourth go to the summer stage night before trey night before trey uh which i also had it written off but um anyway so there was two pre-sales for this concert there was a wednesday pre so regular sale was a friday there was an artist pre-sale on wednesday and then a venue pre-sale on thursday so it's Wednesday, and I'll admit I wasn't like waiting at my computer at 10 a.m. on the dot. I honestly didn't think it was necessary, and technically it wasn't. Um, so 10:45 rolls around, and I'm like, oh yeah, those yellow card tickets are on sale. I find the code, and it was just like July 23, which is a very weak code, but whatever. Um, I go on, and tickets are. 
and then it comes to 110 with fees. Like that's borderline like what we paid for see here now. <laughs> like not quite, but like per day. It's knocking on it's, the door. Yeah, I'm like what is going on here? Like why are these tickets so expensive? I thought I thought it was on yellow card and we'll get to it kind of is cuz these artists have to opt into this nonsense. Um so how much was the data remember last year? That's like 75, right? Yeah, because that's what I was going to say was I feel like I've never really paid over 60 bucks for a summer stage show, but definitely never remember. triple digits. No, no, not come the gaslight reunion. I think I paid like 65 when they did 59 sound tenure. Yeah, I just it it's wild. So um, looking into it, tickets aren't sold out at all. So what's going on? They were originally $45 and then fees, a normal price. Normal summer stage. Um, yeah, so Ticketmaster just jacked it up and I didn't get tickets because I have limits and that is outside of what I'm willing to spend to see Ocean Avenue. It's just disappointing though because like it would have been a really fun summer night, like I said, July 4th weekend and all that. And we don't I mean, we might get to go. You never know what's going to happen with resale, but it's just frustrating. Like if you told me tickets went on sale three weeks ago and I forgot about it and now it's sold out and I got to pay more, like fine, that's my fault. I get For it. secondary market. Yeah. But this is just 45 minutes after they go on the first of two pre-sales and it's not sold out and tickets are now doubled. That's just, that's just wrong, man. That's just wrong. <laughs> but what you could do is you could go on Ocean Avenue and listen to Ocean Avenue for free <laughs> on the boardwalk. It's true. Could absolutely do that. And I don't think I'll be the only one. Um, well played. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah. You'll still be breathing. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> But we might be a little too way away to like hear it really well. <laughs> yeah, right. I think you can because like our guest on this episode will no longer pay for summer stage shows. Wow. Because you can hear perfectly outside of the venue. Wow. Which he is correct about. Yeah. Yeah, you lose a little bit of like, you know, seeing the band, but it's not that big a deal. It's just it's just so like, I don't know. Like if I messed up and had to pay more fine but this is just stupid it's getting out of control and like i know i'm jumping ahead a couple segments here but if this if front bottoms is summer stage i'm nervous about getting tickets for that now yeah well that is one that i would be like 955 no well oh <laughs> i would be more willing to pay that price for front bottoms than yellow card if i'm being honest but fair but um no, that's I don't know one if I want to pay that for them though. I'll be like at my computer, like waiting for the timer to tick. Cause I guess you could say with this, like I did mess up. I wasn't there at 10 a.m. on the dot, but I thought two days of pre-sale. I didn't think it was something I had to worry about. So I learned my lesson. Um, whatever. But if it didn't sell out, it sounds like more people are doing what you did, which is actually pretty nice to see that they're putting their feet down and not yeah. just overspending. 
Yeah, that's true. And that's also like what a lot of people would argue when it comes to like the free market. Like if tickets aren't going to go for that, then like that won't happen. So it's the only way to stop yeah. it. But people too often just pay the extra instead of standing yeah. their ground. Yeah. And it's a weird ground to stand because at what cost? Like, well, you know, $60, but like, <laughs> It's like, oh, I really, you know, stuck at the Ticketmaster by not seeing my favorite band ever again. Like, it's, it's one point. of those, it's one of those things where like you don't like it, but you kind of don't. I mean, you you have a choice, but if you really want to see the band, and a lot of people like us who love these bands, like I don't know. I think for me, it's killed like the tweener shows, as I like to call them, like where I could go like, either way. Yeah, now, most of the time I'm just gonna lean no, because I don't want to pay a ton for a band I'm not like all in to see. When like back in like college and even like post college, like we just go to like any show we could, even if we like just like them a little bit, we'd still go. Now it's like a whole different story. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. I speaking of story, I really wanted to see story of the year on this. Like that was more hype for them than yellow card. That I'm curious how they hold up and how they are live like i don't think i've seen them live i feel like maybe at a bamboozle once before i like knew i don't i don't know and their guitarists used to just like backflip off speakers for like all their live shows i wonder if they still do that oh that's funny because i remember the yellow card violinist used to backflip like you ever see that there's like a i think it's a either mtv or like it was a pepsi thing or something but they were doing the show and they were playing breathing and he did a backflip off the speaker and it was really cool. That's it's like on, the song to backflip for. Yeah. You could definitely find it on YouTube if you just look up like breathing live, but a great song. Violin. Who knew? Whole album is good. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully you find a way there if it's not an arm and a leg. Yeah, seriously. But you know, there's a lot of shows, so Sometimes if like fate steps in to keep you from one, you're just like, uh, oh, well. Would you we'll say uh, dynamic ticketing is the story of the year? <laughs> it sure feels like it. <laughs> <laughs> it's horrible. I, it's just it's just horrible. And the artists do have to opt in. So I don't know. I've heard a lot of stories of like yellow card. Not like embracing what made them famous so now to turn around and be like let's do this and like jack up prices it's like i knew it was a cash grab i still thought it would be fun but because they did call it quits like not so long ago yeah the whole farewell album in 2016 followed by the farewell tour yeah only to come back like under five years later Mm -hmm. or over five years later oh did you see i forget what old school artist i have to check but he announced the first year of farewell tours <laughs> i forget who, i forget who it was yeah they were like the be the beginning of the farewell tours or something like that which cracked me up but like i kind of liked it because <laughs> at least they were like being transparent about it <laughs> the first oh, of a decades long farewell tour yeah <laughs> basically you see our friends in cold years announced the 
your your up tour with uh the Mezingers, Frank Turner and Billy Talent. I did see that. That's why I keep saying I think they're going to open for the Mezingers here at some point. I would, that would be so awesome. Billy Talent was a blast in the past too. Yeah, I saw them open for Rise Against the first time I ever saw Rise Against. They have uh back in the day. Yeah, it was like at the PlayStation Theater or something like that. They're a good That's, band though. What is Canadi- that? Venue Canadians. Now? Uh Hammerstein? I don't know. One of those. Yeah, who knows. But Yeah, um you mentioned the Front Bottom store. Um so they just teased it today. Um the news is going to come out before this episode goes live, the one day gap. But it's very obviously a Talent of the Hawk 10-year anniversary tour because the, I don't know if you listened to the Instagram thing, but he used the clip from our was show. Was that our show? Yeah. It was our show, right? Okay. Yeah. Saying like, oh, this album turned 10, so we're just going to like play it in full, which for us was self-titled, but. That's still one of the best concerts I think I've ever been to because that came out of nowhere. Like no one expected that. Amazing. Like. We're looking around like they haven't played anything all self-titled yet. I just like, hey, we're going to just play this whole thing. And it was far enough into the show that you could have convinced yourself it was like coming to an end. And then they announced oh, they're going to play a whole album as the encore. Amazing. I can't believe Talon the Hawk is 10 years old. That's insane. Because that came out after we graduated college, which is real <laughs> trippy. And sad like that summer i think right wasn't yeah. like july tw- 2013 yeah yeah it was like the same time basically uh love that band i don't think i've gotten obsessed with a band like that like since then like fish but like that's i was gonna say fish for me and then menzingers back then too yeah fish is a team i just it's just like different in my head Front Bomb's like just a lyrical band that all I did was listen to them for like an entire year, it felt like. And like their YouTube songs that were only on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. So um I have it on good source that it's not going to Starland. It is going to Brooklyn Steel and Mirage. I don't think I've ever been to Brooklyn Mirage quick edit because these dates came out and they're not playing either of those broken venues um there were offers made by those venues so maybe in the future i really hope they announce some new jersey dates because there's really not a lot of whole not a lot of dates on the store announcement but yeah just wanted to uh edit that in all right love you guys back to the show i'm not sure that one is either but my friend was saying that that is an outside venue, which points to a summer tour. You sell your source? Oh, I'll believe it. <laughs> <laughs> well, she had nothing to do with the Starland news. <laughs> Allegedly. Um, so I hope it's a summer tour, but I'm also scared if it's a summer tour because summer's booking up. <laughs> and I'll be real sad if I have to miss the show. I feel like I don't really have... Like that many shows. It's just see here now. Like, do we don't have a summer show booked, right? Uh, well, 
fish hopefully soon yeah we should find that out soon um other than that it's just those two yeah you're right but uh, i meant more along the lines of like my dad's birthday is in july like he's turning 60 Uh, like vacation time yeah just like commitments so i have anxiety that it's going to be a weekend that i literally have no choice but to miss it and that would make me sad you'd be actually in vacation town (laughs) yeah uh I was hoping they put out new music. Like, I'm excited for this, but I want new music. They might. I feel like it's early enough in the year. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Speaking of that, I did hear there were whispers that there is a My Cam album coming. Really? I don't know if it was a joke tweet or not, but... I mean, it feels weird that they would just put out a single and tour and then just like disappear again. Although I guess it would be kind of like in character. They're like kind of mysterious when they want to be. That single was too good for it to be standalone, though. Yeah. You don't put something out like that. Like, okay, we're done now. Yeah. And it felt like such a piece of an album. Yeah. It's like an album opener. Yeah. Uh, uh, we'll see. We'll see. Um, there was another album. Speaking of college, Skrillex put out an album. <laughs> and I did not listen to it. I, I stuck to my guns. <laughs> you didn't want to? <laughs> it just like, if you could, like, I went back a couple years ago because like I used to listen to him in college a little bit and it's just not great at all. <laughs> It's so, just like listening to like dial up internet. I I do kind of agree and I don't I don't want to agree. Does but, it still sound like that? But it's how I feel. It sounded like he was like so I listened to three songs and I was like I I can't do this. Like maybe if I was like playing like competitive video games like sometimes I get real into it with like wow and like I have music on, but I'm not really paying attention to it at all. Like I could see how like that like driving, like uh almost dance music that then gets like weird might like work for that. But like I don't understand how people just like sit at their desk and listen to that. No, unless you're like coding, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But I still think it's I still think like the music i think it's cool it's just not for me but i like weird shit so like that's cool and did you see what he did with msg i did not see that he announced a surprise show it sold out in three minutes and then he played a show on saturday at a sold out madison square garden i did not see that wow how awesome is that? That's like the coolest shit I've ever heard. And then he did random pop-up shows like around the city. Like that is really cool. What a party that must have been. Like just MSG like raving to Skrillex. Like, oh man. It literally sold out in three minutes. It was it was him and then uh two other artists that I've never heard of, um, Fred again and for Tet. The color Fred? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it was <laughs> it was Fred uh uh 
What's his last name? I don't remember. You can just say Fred so much. I'm it's blanking. just Fred, right? I almost said Fred Armisen, Fred. but it's not Fred <laughs> Armisen. I know. I always want to say like Fred Astaire or however you pronounce that because they have that song. But I think that's like an old. I don't know. That's someone else from history. <laughs> almost there. Almost there. I think it's an artist, actually, like a painter, maybe. What are you, what are you looking up? Fred Mercerino. Oh, Ma- yeah, that's it. Maraschino Cherry. You're just going to leave me hanging on that one. <laughs> Didn't deserve a laugh. I'm sorry. I was making sure I was reading the right name. <laughs> it is like the cherry, though. You are correct. All right. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for the confirmation. <laughs> but yeah, super badass. Like, surprise show at the frigging garden, and it sells out in three minutes. Like, that's... And he's that's been really inactive cool. for a long time, so I'm surprised that sold out so fast. Yeah, well, that might have helped. I feel like, I don't know for a fact, but I'd, I'd have to look it up. But I feel like he's someone who's probably been involved in the music industry. Like, I could see him, like, writing behind the scenes and stuff. But I have no idea. He just strikes me as someone who's, like, always creating. What was the emo band he was in again? From first to last. That's it, yeah. And they were actually pretty good, right? From what I remember, they were awesome. Um, is it Secrets Don't Make Friends? It's the big one. That's I think. it. Yeah. Um, Emily, one of the first acoustic songs I ever learned on my guitar. Um, Eloise, the Say Anything song. <laughs> yeah, originally written by by Sonny Moore. Note to Self. Oh man, Note to Self was a great song. Great baseline. Note to self, I miss you terribly. Ah, uh, I want to listen to this now. This was a this was a good album. What a crazy trajectory for him. Seriously, though, even back then it was crazy. It's still, <laughs> yeah, it's even wilder looking back now. And he was like doing like screamo stuff like pretty early on too. So he's always kind of just been like a pioneer. I don't know the history of dubstep. But I feel like he was at least at the the forefront. Yeah. I would think yeah. so. Yeah. At Did least like, like making it popular. There was a a festival in Alabama got announced called Furnace Fest. That's a really random place for a rock yeah. festival. I'm just gonna read you uh some of the names that I recognize. So uh headliners MXPX, Turnstile, Bane, and Pennywise. I don't know Bane, but it's all very like punk. Like the Batman villain? Yeah, exactly. Um, then you have Hatebreed, Amberlin, Reliant K, Knucklepuck. Um, this is else? a very random lineup. I'm just reading the ones. There's a ton of undercard who I don't recognize, but um, Armor no, but for Hatebreed Sleep. Hatebreed and Reliant K at the same show is very right? odd they're even on the same line that like is really they're like weird. sub headliners um haste the day between the buried and me bouncing souls pretty cool it's not bad it's just very random if it's what bam if this was bamboozle i'd probably go it's like that it's better than bamboozle like... i'll give it that <laughs> but yeah i don't know just cool festival just got announced but we got 
I, I wanted to bring up uh see here now real quick just see here i feel like the way this yeah sorry see here nodge <laughs> <laughs> so you know we've been doing this album a day um stuff i feel like we could do something similar for see here now where we just like maybe not every single day because gonna need a break after this but yeah just try and like pick out albums and we just each listen to like two or three a week from artists that are at see here now yeah and we could try and do like one album like where we know the band like listen to a killer's album but then like pick a random one that we don't know like i don't know just make a game out of like exploring all these artists see what we can find i like that actually yeah. i got some killers homework from parko since he's a big fan I was oh, like, all nice. right, I don't know, really know anything other than like hot fuss. Can you point yeah. me in the right direction? Give me like three to listen to. Does he want to roadmap them for us? I think he's gonna do the national. But oh, if you be... want a killer's roadmap, I'm sure he'd love to do that too. Uh all right. We'll we'll uh uh strategize off air, but the national sounds fun also. Uh we had one new album this week. Um before we get to our silver steam map um we had a new album by screaming females this album is awesome it was incredible it it's reminded so me of why i wanted i think it was like a couple episodes ago it's like i really want to go back and deep dive them because i remember them being really good but then i got like sidetracked and didn't go back and like this really made me want to go back yeah they're it's like almost uh I want to say like hard to digest but like it's 30 minute album and it's not necessarily easy because the the instrumentals are so good and like the like, guitar is just i don't know how to yeah with these like level here. guitar driven albums i feel like it's almost hard for me to like get to know the songs where in, as instead i just put it on and listen i'm like whoa this is cool this is and great this solo is awesome this bass part rocks this is so fuzzy like all this different stuff but it doesn't feel where I'm like the second track blew me away. The, I don't know. Maybe I just need to spend more time with it, but it's I had really some good. that stuck out like that song ornament. Like for some reason that sounded like it could have been on like the soundtrack of like a late nineties, early two thousands rom-com. <laughs> yeah. Had, like could, that kind of feel to that. it. So like that one really stood out to me. Yeah. And like the first, like brass bell, obviously like, we listened to a couple weeks back. So like that one's yep. really addicting um morning dove i was texting you about that one's so blood red summer bit. yeah that's a great comparison it and it i feel like it really works because they're a band that can get crazy instrumentally but then they can kind of like lean in like this like more cheerful like you said like almost like a rom-com song type vibe like they're really good at like um, mixing it up yeah yeah and yeah, like uh, a go ahead I was gonna say Titan was another really good one. I had that one too. Yeah. Do you he, the vocal delivery at the end? Didn't it remind you of like "Come on, Eileen"? Ah, oh, I like the same like cadence. <laughs> I gotta hear it again. I can't think of it off the top of my head. You're gonna I'll... hear it be like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> <laughs> it's like starting when she says like "hitting cars" and like the whole back half of that. All right, I'll, I'll the, pay attention. The "Come on, Eileen" cadence. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah, that song just like. There's a solo, then it goes back to the song, then there's just another solo. Like I just love this music, like keeps me on my toes. It's so and good. 
then like let you go like i was like this is like a song you'd find on like octane on serious it's like yeah I, I don't know why they're not i feel like i keep saying this about certain bands on the show but like i don't <laughs> know why they're not bigger because like they did like deep dip into so many different genres of rock you'd think they'd at least pick up momentum in one of them and get really big but yeah. instead they have like this just really strong underground following i was i was listening to them all day and uh let you go does have that crazy uh wah pedal solo or something right towards the end right so good but um so i was listening to them all day and i was coming i was going back to work from my lunch break and i got into my car and i thought my car had picked up the bluetooth and like i was just back in this album but i was actually like on a rush song on the radio <laughs> and i was actually thinking there's like a lot of similarities here like they just sound like a great rock band that yeah. could easily be played on like any of these stations. And it had me thinking exactly what you said. It's like, why not? So maybe, maybe they're due. Maybe we'll start hearing it more. We should get them on. That would be cool. I... Following our next big guest coming soon. Yes. Are they touring? I feel like they have to be touring if they just put out an album, but I just missed them at the, uh, Oh yeah, the Menzinger show is Menzinger's Touche Amore and Touche Amore and Screamy Females. You're really good at missing openers. I've been on a bad <laughs> opener streak lately. <laughs> I blame um, it on being yeah. in my theories. Like, oh, we'll just go for the headliner now. <laughs> um, so I don't see a tour announced yet, but they are doing an AMA on Reddit on uh, Indie Heads on Wednesday. Oh, that's cool. So, tomorrow or yesterday for those are they on the gaslight tour or gaslight's bringing someone else uh i don't know were they supposed to be or are you just guessing i'm just guessing uh, i forgot who they're bringing on that tour with them yeah i don't remember i feel like that was you notice these bands they announce their support and then it's like Look for like the smallest comma in the world on our poster to yeah, see who's. And then you're using like the math, and you're like <laughs> yeah. tracing it back. Like, where's the asterisk? Who is that? Like, there's got to be a better system, but like I guess the Fallout not, Boy like... tour would bring me the ride. Yeah. And it's like there were so many different openers. Like you guys are just making this really complicated. A symbol and a key is like the most classic, like, thing ever. So they're just sticking to what works. But it's hard on Instagram. My I, my screen's too small, or my eyes are just going. I always put up on desktop when I can't see it on Instagram. <laughs> oh man, we're old. Yes, we are. Nah, nah, nah. So we have Matt coming on shortly. Dude for a Silverstein roadmap, which should be a fun one. And also an interesting one because we both know Silverstein very well. Which is why I think we have to use our NFL rule for this, <laughs> for bands that we know really well when we do these. You want to throw challenge flags at our guest? We can have two challenge flags and then <laughs> we can choose to use them or not use them based on the map. All right. Well, we'll bring it up in a little bit. I'm pretty sure I'm definitely using one. <laughs> Second is questionable right now. I'm excited. I'm excited. Um, 
do you have anything else or do we want to sign off and then uh we'll go do our interview with matt yeah so at the man then next week we can kind of just recap the end of our album listening since by this time next week we'll be done oh yeah true yeah um real quick uh favorite album you listen to between shows from your list would have to be probably today's actually which was was the replacements let it be oh are they super punk rock they're Mm -hmm. like a little bit like punk rock but like indie but also like straight up rock too they're like a little bit of screaming females like where they dip into different genres but not like the screaming females but they mix it up like the screaming females nice that's fun yeah I, i had a similar thing where i had iggy pop on my list and then i realized like i learned he was in the stooges so i went with the stooges album instead i listened to funhouse which i thought they were way more of just like a punk rock band and they're not they were like they were kind of like the doors but less psychedelic and more hard rocky but that's interesting i would think they were more punk too yeah i this was only just one album so i don't know but it was very good and also queens of the stone age songs for the deaf i don't know how i haven't listened to this at this point in my life i feel like i should have to like kick myself off my own podcast but yeah it was an instant classic like with the radio stuff between the songs and everything and it was just great. And Songs for the Dead is a fucking jam. Six the end, shooter. Oh. The end of it where like it picks back up. Yeah. Or is that song or is that Songs for the Deaf? Uh one of them has like the crazy drum in the end. Uh um, the song kicks back in. I think it's Songs for the Dead. I just wrote down that that had a crazy jam, which I gotta listen to this album way more, but Dave Grohl on drums. Really? Pretty sure on that album? Pretty sure. I, I did not know that. Wow. Have you been reading? Yes, I'm halfway through. I think we might be able to do it next week, possibly. Although we have a big nice. show next week, so maybe we save it for the week after. But True. I'll be ready this time. Yeah, I feel like he's about to have like a caffeine breakdown at the part I'm up to right now. He's just like I mean, chugging. He said like five pots a day. <laughs> pots. That's insane. Five, five cups a day is a lot five pots uh all right yeah we'll get to it we'll get to it next time yeah um, yeah remind me no. to pick your brain on grateful dead next week too because that was one of my albums and they weren't they weren't what i thought they'd be either which album american beauty okay all right yeah we'll talk we'll talk next week okay. i gotta see what's off that but it's like trucking and friend of the devils on there okay yeah that's like very folky yeah yeah I, they get comp- Fish gets compared to them so much, and I don't really see it. I didn't see it. it. Yeah. <laughs> like, the live shows and, like, the big following and all that, but I don't know. I don't think they're that all that similar. No. At but, least based on that one album. But Yeah. Yeah. I don't know the dead inside and out. That's too daunting for me. Yeah. Same. But I'll listen to a jam and enjoy it, because how can you not? Okay. Let's go to Matt, because he's going to be calling any minute. Um, we love you all. Enjoy the Silverstein roadmap. Your hit versus my notch. Okay, we now welcome on friend of the pod, Matt. You may remember him from <laughs> the album draft of 
pop punk and emo bands that we did like five months ago. Feels like a while. Longer than that. Right? We've been doing this for longer than I realize. I mean, it was definitely during the summer. Yeah. But welcome, warm out. welcome back, Matt. Yeah, because people were nice. outside for that. I think you might have been outside for that. Yeah. Your um, yeah. <laughs> I just well, thank you very much for having me back, boys. Very, very excited about doing this. Um, I think we were at four years strong, right, Brett, back in the fall when you had mentioned that you guys were gonna be doing this series. So been kind of like mentally preparing for them, but over the last two weeks I've really been deep diving into some Silverstein. So ready to go here. I don't know if you want to say at the top, but like you've made a great pitch of why not to do Newfound Glory because like that was like what we originally hatched up for you. But then you made yeah. a really good point. <laughs> I know, I know. So Brett Brett had originally talked to me about doing Newfound Glory. And I think probably like amongst our group of fans, everyone knows that I'm the big Newfound Glory guy. I've seen them a disgusting amount of times. <laughs> but I um I was kind of pitching it to Brett that and Again, for those of you who don't know, I teach eighth grade math. So I'm with like 13 to 14 year old kids all day long. And I was just imagining myself going into a classroom, trying to pitch them newfound glory. And I'm like, with Jordan's voice, it's almost an unpitchable band to people who don't like pop punk music or who people that, you know, people that didn't grow up in the scene. And then I think Brent and I too have been talking about their, their most recent album and their last few albums are rough, rough to say the resurrection. Yeah, yeah. And and I'll talk a little bit about why I wanted to do Silverstein. I almost feel like they're like the antithesis of what Newfound Glory is doing, right? Where Silverstein creatively, they're still pushing the envelope with every single album. Like, I feel like they're still artists, right? Like, they're trying to create something new. They're trying to, uh, you know, push forward in their careers. And sometimes in Newfound Glory, I feel like they're just putting out albums because that's what bands do is they eventually put out a new album. But then they go on tour and they play most of their old stuff anyways because, you know, that's what people want to see. I don't really blame them, right? Like that's what's going to make them some money. But that, I think that's what drew me towards Silverstein is just really diving into a band that has matured as I've matured. And even though they've always been one of my favorite bands, I feel like I've almost grown up with them, right? Like they've been going on for over twenty years now, so I'm listening to them for a very long time, and they've kind of transformed from one of my favorite bands to the favorite band over time. So I think it'll be a, a good one to talk about today. Yeah, they're definitely worthy of that. And it's like so hard for bands in that genre to like not just get stuck in it. And I feel like yes, they're yeah. one of the few that like really like found a way to, like you said, like mature and still do new stuff while not like completely changing. Or working like I, with Marshmallow. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I think Devil Wears Prada did it well, too, but I don't listen to them as much. But like. They kind of like started off in that same like screamo era and then found a way out. They're more like metally now, I think, but like they're still doing new like they didn't they found a way out of the screamo genre, which I think bands either like did that or died. Yeah, I actually have in my notes one of the first things I have written down is how they somehow transformed themselves from a screamo band almost to like an alternative band. I know alternatives are very wide ranging, but <laughs> I, I I mean, I almost feel like that's what they are now, right? Like a typical alternative band and probably a little bit heavier than some of those bands with the screaming and some of the you know heavier guitar parts, but I think they fall under that category now. Yeah. When did yeah. when did you start listening to them, Matt? 
Oh man, I uh, I was actually thinking about this on my ride home from work today. I started listening to them my sophomore year of high school, and one of my best friends, uh, this kid named Eric, and then my cousin Mike, they were huge, huge, huge into Silverstein. Their first album, When Broken, is easily fixed, and I would eat lunch with them every single day during high school, and for weeks, that's all they were talking about, mm -hmm. and. The three of us ended up, I grew up in New Hampshire, so we drove down to Bamboozle, and Silverstein was playing out on the lawn in front of Skate and Surf, right? And we literally just made it in time for them, so we were in the crowd for that, and Eric and Mike knew every single word to every single song, and I'm just standing there like a peasant, and I'm like, damn, I really, really wish I got into them earlier, because it was such a fun time, but I didn't know any of the songs, so I, I went home, and I was like, all right, I'm in on Silverstein, I gotta make this happen now. And yeah, I've been listening to them ever since. So that's great. Brett, what about you? So I got into them right around like discovering the waterfront when like my friend's brother yeah. came home with it. And like I saw like this weird like album cover. I'm, like I've never seen this before. And then like next thing you know, he puts it on and like your sword versus my dagger kicks it off. And like my mind was just blown because like I'd never heard music like that before. Like I was very much in like the K rock kind of scene, <laughs> like listening to bands like that, whatever they played on that mm. station so this like pretty much introduced me to like this type of music and it really just grew from there and it all started with silverstein yeah i'm with you on that like discovering the waterfront was my uh entry point for them as well and it was like my friends were like getting super into like screamo music and it was a little bit of a struggle for me at first and i felt like silverstein was a really good like mix because I love bands much. who scream, but like good screams accented with good singing is the sweet spot for me. And they definitely nail it. Yeah, I was and always impressed dance. when I found. Yeah, <laughs> I was always always impressed when I found out that Shane was the singer and the screamer and, and watching him do that live is, is pretty insane. But before we get started, I was going to ask you guys, what is your level of Silverstein fandom? Like how? I know you guys both kind of got in at discovering the waterfront, but how in were you guys throughout that, like the next nine albums, I guess afterwards? Uh, pretty in. Um, I kind of fell off around, um, Massachusetts. I always forget the name of that album, unless it just is Massachusetts, which is would explain. Uh, no, yeah, that, yeah. Is this how the wind shifts? This how the wind shifts. I don't know yes, why it's yeah. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Yes. And so then, you... and then I, I, uh, I came back like, I guess rescue actually. I was kind of when I, when I fell off and then mm -hmm. I came back around. This is how the wind shifts. Yeah. So it was just that short, like college gap where I was suddenly like classic rock music is all that matters. Everyone goes through that phase, right? <laughs> yeah, Nick, we were all there. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> It's a building block. We still saw them. I still kept going to see them. They're yeah, yeah. definitely a band I've seen like more than any other. They're at the top, at least yeah. for like time scene. Cool. What yeah. about you, Brett? So for me, I kind of fell off after Arrivals and Departures, which I know we were texting a little bit about. And then I, like Nick, I came back around Rescue and then also found Shipwreck around then and couldn't believe mm -hmm. I gave up on them because Shipwreck <laughs> is just oh, man. still one of my favorites by them. And like I would have been right back in had I stuck with them, but I'm like I didn't like the last one, so I'm probably gonna skip this one too. And what a yeah. huge mistake that was! Oh man, they, they opened such... uh, they opened Warp Tour with Vices. It was so good. 
back in like oh seven or whenever oh nine when that came yeah out my uh oh man yeah but that um shipwreck was such an amazing rebound album from arrivals i think they talk about too that everything that could have gone wrong in the recording process went wrong with arrivals that they were working with a super big producer they worked with this guy mark trombino who was one of like the big pop punk guys back in the day and he probably just wasn't right for what they were looking to do and they wrote most of the album in the studio and it just i think they probably walked away from it thinking man it's probably not our best work and they came back with some of their best work after that though which is yeah. really cool i could uh that could sip, uh, sink a band, right? But yeah, it's kind of cool to see them come back from that. Yeah, definitely Rescue for me. I'm looking at Rescue right now. And Are you? This is probably the one I know least. Yeah. I think what's interesting about Rescue is they, I think they have some of like their better songs on Rescue, but I don't think you're alone with that, Nick. I think Rescue is probably one of their, their lesser known albums. And it kind of came at the end of an era for them because they came out with short songs, you know, relatively quickly after that. But it's a little bit of a different venture for them, right? It's not your traditional album. But that Partial was covers. really, yeah, I was going to say half of his covers. The first half is, I think there are 11 songs that are, I don't think there's a song over a minute and a half on that album. But that was the end of the their like original era and i i had it written down here they they pretty much have two eras as a band right where they have the before paul mark russo era and the after paul mark russo era and i think that you can definitely see like the drastic change in their songwriting capabilities after he joins a band and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about what that meant for them and and how their music kind of shifted from there and what the songwriting process transformed into them as well as we go through some of the music here Cool. I mean, as you go through to bring up one more rescue point, especially when we get yeah. to like the redos. Yeah, redo, redux. I always said redux. redux. Redo. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like if it was redo, they might have like the EAU in there. That's a good point. There's no E there. Right. Yeah. It's just a. Uh, I've got a redux, but I I also teach math, so English is not my strong point. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever language redux comes from. <laughs> oh, man. All right. You guys ready to dive in here? Let's do just it. Yeah. Okay, so when I was going through this, I was trying to figure out a, the best way to present each of these songs because, like we were talking about, Silverstein does have a gigantic catalog of music. And I I almost decided to talk about each song almost like it was a personality. Like, if you're talking to this type of person, you might show them this song. I was talking to my wife about it. She told me that I wrote this almost like a Cosmo article, which I found interesting because <laughs> I've never read Cosmo before. So. Which Silverstein song are you? <laughs> right, right. So I was like, oh, all right, babe, like maybe, I mean, maybe it'll go well. We'll see how it, it works out for you guys. But let's start off um, my first category. My first like personality trait is I call this for anyone. So I imagine this as the song you would show any person in your life regardless of whether or not they're into pop punk or screamo or any type of genre, like you know the pop punk genre right so, so that song that i went with and this might be the leading song really for anyone that is into music or is into genres a specific genre but that's the afterglow from dead reflection so i think we can all agree right, that this is incredibly poppy incredibly catchy and it really is just the perfect introduction for any music fan. I think this is a great example of something that I heard uh, Paul Mark talk about on the Silverstein podcast they did right around when Misery Made Me come out. And he talks all the time about 
the fact that he can write any type of song because when Shane sings over it, it immediately becomes Silverstein. And I think this was their first really great example of that. It's a pop song, but it's a Silverstein song. I think it comes from their best album. There's tons of emotion on this album. And it might be the, that one bright spot on this album because it's a, it's a heavy album in terms of the content. It's about a tough time that Shane went through in his life with a, a pretty bad breakup. And I just feel like the Afterglow is like that one song where you get to it and you're like, all right, cool. Like, this is going to be a fun song live. This is upbeat. It's poppy. And it, it really is for anyone. So I'm assuming you guys have some uh, some background knowledge of the Afterglow. Yeah, I, I didn't realize it was as much a breakup album as you said, but it makes like a whole lot of sense now that you're saying it out loud. Um, yeah, this is like the yeah, pressure release like, valve of that album. Yeah. Good. Well yeah, said. I think that's a good way of describing it. Um, you know, like I talked about, the the chorus is super catchy. And I, I just think it's a song for really in, like the average music listener, if that makes sense. And it's one of their first big songs that wasn't just a Silverstein written song. It was their first dip into working with other songwriters. Most of the songs on this album give credits to Shane and Paul, uh, Paul Mark. But their producer gets a lot of songwriting credits. Uh, this guy, Stephen Brodsky, who's in Converge and Cave In, he has a lot of songwriting credits on there. And then another guy named Daniel Tremblay, who's just a really good friend of Paul Mark, someone that he had worked with musically in the past. So... It was probably their first foray into working with co-writers and exploring different sounds for Silverstein. And I think it just works. I don't I don't think anyone will ever see Silverstein and not see them play the afterglow at this point in their career. It's literally always on their set list now, I feel like. And it's usually on usually my pre-show playlist that I put together. Definitely. When I'm trying to get ready for the show. Because I feel like this album I don't really go back to that much because it is so heavy. But this is a song that I definitely play most of the time, or a lot of the time, I should say. Interesting that you say that. This is the album that I always go back to. This is far away, my uh, far and away my favorite album from them. There's a lot of good songs on this album. I'm kind of with Brett, where I don't go back to it a lot, mm -hmm. but I should. Like, <laughs> like yeah, I'm looking at yeah. it right now. Like, like Retrograde is one of my favorite songs they've ever written. Retrograde, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. it's one of my favorites as well. Uh, yeah, Whiplash is one up. of my favorites. Yeah, right. Yeah. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Retrograde might be on this list. Uh, Whiplash is one of my favorites. Ghost is one of those songs that they put out months before the album came out. I think they've done that a few times in their career. Ghost is really good. Uh, Aquamarine is another yeah. good one. That's another one that okay. is kind of Last similar list. to Afterglow. Aquamarine's like one of the lighter ones. Lighter on sounding, but I, but I feel like it's almost... Yeah, and we'll talk about Aquamarine. That's on the list as well, but I think okay. that's one of the one of the heaviest in terms of the lyrics. So we'll get gotcha. that. Gotcha. I'm excited to talk about that version that you have on here. But we'll yeah, get to yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Do you guys want to pause real quick and do a quick Afterglow listen? I've got the opening minute 13 for, for the listeners. Yeah, let's do it. All right, cool. Yeah. All right, we just listened to some of the Afterglow. It's a fantastic we're in song. the afterglow we're in the afterglow of the afterglow my one of my favorite parts that i noticed just now when we listened is during like the time won't change it can't erase it they don't add the backup part until like later on in the song like the echo like later they have someone sing it like in the background again 
but I yeah, like how yeah, they, they right. don't they don't give it to you right away. And which regardless, I, don't I think is cool. And regardless, I sing it every yeah. single time. Anyways, <laughs> yep. It's definitely a songwriting trope. I feel like that happens often, and songs yeah. really give you that that uh that call and return later on in yeah. the uh, in the chorus. That's a that's a good call, Nick. I like that. Yeah, I always think of Weezer with that because they like to tease choruses. Like I want the chorus, and then they don't give it to you. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> oh man! All right. So for my next personality trait or uh, category here, I have for fans of the genre. So the song that you would show someone who is already a fan of this specific genre, but maybe just hasn't listened to Silverstein before. And I went with Massachusetts from This Is How the Wind Shifts. So the reason why I went with Massachusetts is I feel like it's perfect for fans of the genre already. And I also think it's a great capsule of their career. It's almost a bridge between their early music and their recent material. So you get a lot of that classic, you know, heavy Silverstein in the verse with that super catchy, big sing-along chorus. But I think the production value of this is just a lot greater than some of their previous albums. It's the first time you really felt like you were listening to polished version of Silverstein and that's not to say that their previous albums lacked production by any means but it it just felt like they took they were taking their band to the next level with this album and again I talked about Paul Mark's um influence that he had on the bandit and I do think that level of professionalism and creativity and thinking outside of the box is something that he brought to Silverstein so I think Massachusetts like I said does bridge that gap really nicely um it's a song that isn't straightforward with the lyrics, but I think anyone can understand the subtext of the song. It's very clearly about someone trying to uh, escape an abusive relationship and talking about that person under that pseudonym of Massachusetts, you know, where they are in the country, which kind of hurts, to be honest, because I grew up just north of Massachusetts and you know, all my favorite sports teams are from Massachusetts, but it is what it is. Um, but it's not really Massachusetts, at least. Yeah, right. It's just, you know. <laughs> <laughs> a mass hole that lives there <laughs> um but what i found weird about this so when i was digging into the songwriting credits is their old guitarist neil boshert actually does have some songwriting credits on this so this must have been one of the first songs that they were writing before he left the band so they probably had this one in the can for a little bit before the album came out it's another really great example of a catchy and clean chorus and then my, my final note here is there's also a really great acoustic version of this on the deluxe edition of this is how the wind shifts. And probably one of my favorite things to do with Silverstein is listen to the acoustic version. Hear all of the melodies that they put in when Shane is screaming. And then when I'm listening to the original version, I like to just belt out those melodies on top of the screams. It's uh, probably just my own nerdiness as I'm driving to work every day. <laughs> but I always found that to be an enjoyable aspect of, of this song as well. So yeah, for fans of the genre, it has to be Massachusetts. It's so funny you say that because I do that exact thing with my heroine. Yeah, yeah, that's another really great example, right? <laughs> I love singing the acoustic version over the. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> another great acoustic version. Yeah, but yeah, this is a great pick right here. The guitar riff is so good, and like, like you said, it starts off like it's just classic Silverstein song through and through. Yeah, yeah, it did. Um, good, bro. But you know, this was Paul's debut, right? Yeah, this this album was the first album that he worked on them with. He was their guitar tech beforehand, so he spent a lot of time with the band, right? He was on tour with them for years and years beforehand. 
So I, I always want, yeah, right. I always wonder if he was, you know, on the sidelines, just being like, oh man, I could take this band to the next level. Like, just give me a <laughs> shot. What's my shot going to be? Put me in, coach. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And then when uh, when Neil was oh, departing from the band, he sees the opportunity, and I think they've become a better band since he's joined. So probably the best thing that ever happened to them. This album cycle is like the first time I got to see them live. We saw them at the Stone Pony. Oh yeah. It was such a cool show. Like that's when uh oh, what's the song on this album? Where like they bring the drums on the stage and like they play the drums for a second. Oh and they man, brush I'm them trying... off the stage. Yeah. It's like a drum bridge. I'm trying to remember what song that would be from. I don't know, maybe we'll maybe we'll get to it as we're as we're going through here. Is it oh it's in a place of solace. Oh, okay. Okay, that makes sense. It's interesting to see what songs stuck from the live um like in their live show from this album so they do still play a lot of these songs live um on their 20 year anniversary discovering the waterfront tour they did a big medley of songs from this album which is pretty cool because you got a little bit of a taste from six to seven songs i think is that the last show before covid yeah yeah, yeah. actually it was yeah uh, it was an twice. awesome show though Oh, so good. Uh, my buddy was supposed to come down for the Starland show, my buddy Benny, and he wasn't able to make it. So I was like, all right, you're driving down tonight. We'll go see them in New York. So we saw them in New York. I think it was maybe a Friday night. And then the next night I saw them in Starland with some some friends as well. And then that was pretty much it. That's great. For concerts. We're, we were at that, right, Brett? We were there. Yeah, yeah, we're at the Starland one. And then they came out with the the vinyl version of that, which I think is probably... One of my favorite vinyls that I have. It's like a nice big Silverstein live at Starland Ballroom. Oh, that's... Discovering the Waterfront show, uh, songs. That's yeah, I have sick. that on, on uh, Bandcamp. Do you? Yeah, yeah. I got to figure out a way to get a, a recorded version of that. I listened to it once off the vinyl, but I don't like to play my vinyls often because I don't have a super good setup at this point. All right. You guys want to listen to some Massachusetts? Yeah. All right. So my recommendations for the listener is just the opening minute of the song. All right, here's Massachusetts. I love his voice. I just love it. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. It's so silver senior, right? Yeah. What's great about it too, like if like so like if you're introducing this song to like someone that's never listened to them before, like you're li- you're listening to like this part and you get to like the bridge in the middle with like the last draw and then he screams and it comes out of nowhere. It's like a true but great introduction to Silverstein. Yeah. Showing both I, sides. I think if you heard this song and then you showed them some of their newer, newer material, people would be like, okay, yeah, I understand how they got here. But then if you showed them this song, you're like, all right, let me show you a throwback song. They'd be like, oh, that makes sense too. <laughs> yeah. So it works. It works. All right. So for the next song that I picked, my next uh, personality trait here, it's called For The Show. And the song that I picked is My Heroine which originally debuted on Discovering the Waterfront. But this is the first example of one of my rules of Silverstein. And that rule is if it was on Redux, you should listen to it off Redux, not Discovering the Waterfront, which might seem sacrilegious to some, but the (laughs) production value on Redux is just infinitely times better than on When Broken is Easily Fixed and Discovering the Waterfront. And I think if you are introducing music to people you should look for the best quality version of a song like the best produced version and i think producing is really important in music because even though people might not understand what production is it 
changes how you listen to and understand a song on um on like a subconscious level do you guys get what i mean by that like if you hear a song and the production Absolutely. quality you hear a song and the production quality is low it doesn't matter if it's the greatest song that's ever written it just doesn't feel right in your head yeah. so showing someone the better produced version of a song i think is is always the appropriate way to show them the song i don't know if that's too music snobby or high and mighty over here but i just think my heroine's a really great example of that um the reason why I, I put this under the personality trait of for the show is i feel like this is the song you'll want to know if you're getting dragged to see a silverstein show and they're a band you've never listened to before you don't want to be the only one in the crowd not singing along to the course when the band drops out and the crowd belts out the second to last course like, you do not want to be that person right like you'll feel <laughs> like you're missing out on the entire experience of the show so I have, um, when we were doing the notes for this, I included a link to that show that we were talking about, the, the last one that they played at Starland. There's a video online, and the the song is amazing, right? And it's great, but to fully understand why you want to like have this song in your repertoire when you get to the show, you need to watch the video and just hear the entire crowd belting out that chorus when the band drops out. Um, the song's from their first breakthrough album, so... I think like you guys said, you both got in at Discovering the Waterfront. And there's a reason why they've toured this album a few times. It's because it is their breakthrough album. It's the one where even if you're not a Silverstein fan anymore, it might have been the album that you listen to, the band that's or the album that's gonna get you back out to see the band. Like I said, you wanna you wanna listen to Redux for that better production. And everyone at that show that night knew every word to every lyric on that album, which was made it like extra special. Yes, I mean, hindsight, yeah, it's even more special knowing it was like the last show for like a year for us, but. Yeah, I have chills just thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> like as soon as you mentioned like the band dropping out, and like the crowd singing and everything like. Uh... It gets me literally every time. I yeah. think as you get older and life changes and things get harder and responsibilities become greater than they were before, knowing that when I go see Silver everyone 20 years later is still <laughs> going to be belting out the chorus of my heroine is is a pretty cool experience um and like you said again nick there's a, a recorded acoustic version and the quality really isn't anything crazy but getting an idea of how shane pictured those lyrics that he screams as a more melodic thing yeah really Try is fun to, to sing along save with. me like the, oh, yeah yeah great <laughs> i i won't sing it uh, i'm not going to do that to your podcast uh, audience but I do it all the yeah. time. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> it really, oh man, it really is so much fun though. It's an interesting point you bring up about um, like which version to listen to. Cause I know exactly like what you're saying. And it's like when you grow up with an album and a song a certain way, like you want to try and give that to someone else. But the fact of the matter is they're not hearing it with the nostalgia that you're hearing it with. So like you might as well give the better quality version. Like I never really thought about it like that until you started mm -hmm. pitching it, but it makes a whole lot of sense. And the guitars, until... yeah, okay. just the guitars on Redux are like so crisp. It's insane. <laughs> it's like hearing these yeah, songs for... for the first time when they did it. For um for Redux and Redux too, they worked with this producer. I'm gonna butcher his last name. I think it's Sam Guana. And he he's also done a beautiful place to drown and misery made me. And I feel like they really like working with him because he 
pushes them so hard. And they were talking about him on their podcast from Misery Made Me. Paul, Mark would talk about how the two of them would get at it all the time about different production qualities or different way a track would be recorded, different parts, different bass lines, like literally everything they would get after each other about. And I think that's a benefit to them because it pushes them to be better. So knowing that this guy was the voice behind these re-recordings, I think says a lot, right? He probably had a lot of influence in improving those guitar sounds and, and improving that production quality, even more so on Redux too, when they do some reimaginings. We'll maybe talk about those a little bit later on, but yeah, Redux, gotta go with it. You're probably so, seeing my points for, the... for a couple tracks from now about Redux, but yeah, okay. I love that you did this because I think it works especially strong with a track coming in a few tracks. Yeah, okay. But <laughs> I'll save it for then. <laughs> yeah. All right. So for the people at home, I don't think me, Brett, or Nick need to listen to my heroin right now to talk about <laughs> it. Sounds like it's kind of burned into our brains. But oh yeah. The people at home, if you if you do want to pause and listen to some my heroin, uh if you're listening to the recorded version, you're gonna want to check out Redux and you're gonna wanna listen to from 152 to the end of the song. But I highly suggest popping up on or popping on YouTube. And searching for my heroine live at Starland Ballroom 2020. You get a, a real idea of why this song was on my list. It's also super cool they pressed that show. Like they're from Canada. Like they're not yeah. and like they just no. felt it at that New Jersey show. Or I don't know if they only recorded that one or how that even like really came to be, but we're just I feel super lucky that like we got to be part of that. Yeah, that's that's a really good point, Nick. I don't know what the history there was. Why live at Star like Starland Ballroom became a thing, right? Yeah. Like how why yeah. was that the show? They've done they've done some live stuff before. <laughs> they did a Broken is Easily Fixed live, and I think most of the recordings were from Texas and California. So it'd be interesting to figure out the history there, how that came to be. Did they say that night they were recording? I don't remember. I don't remember either. Yeah, it was a different lifetime ago. <laughs> So remember when I popped them on Bandcamp, I like bought it immediately because I was like, I didn't even know they were recording that night. Yeah, they um during during COVID during the quarantine times, they did a lot on Twitch and quarantine. Uh, yeah, they did it. <laughs> that was a cool special. I love that. They um their drummer Paul, he was talking about some stuff that they had going on in the future, and he popped open the album cover. It was probably like the fastest screenshot I've ever done in my entire life, and I was like immediately sending. It to the people that I was there with, I was like, did anyone know that this was happening? And everyone said no. We had no idea. Definitely a cool keepsake. I would love to find that vinyl. I'm sorry I missed it. Because <laughs> that would be a great one for the collection. Uh, yeah, you can probably find it on Discogs, upcharged by a ridiculous amount of money. Yeah, yeah probably. probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right, so for my, my next personality trait, we're going to stick with... Uh, the throwback themes here and that personality trait is throwing it back so i went with smile in your sleep um also from discovering the waterfront and redux and i think this is the song that you're going to want to show that friend that's still stuck in the early 2000s and this person somehow missed silverstein you know i don't <laughs> i don't know i don't know how they miss silverstein despite being stuck back in this time period but you got a friend who is obsessed with early 2000s pop punk and screamo Somehow Miss Silverstein, I think Smile in Your Sleep is right up their uh, album or al album alley, right? Right up their alley. Um, if you've heard Silverstein, you've heard the song, right? 
This is far and away their first big hit and a mainstay of their set list. Like Afterglow, I don't think you'll ever see Silverstein and not see them play Smile in Your Sleep. The, I think for me, right, like the heavy breakdowns juxtaposed with the finger-tapping guitar parts is just so much fun, like right into the course. Like they go from such a heavy breakdown into those that like light finger tapping you're like all right what's happening now and then they hit you with that chorus it is far and away in early 2000s screamo staple it's got a great clue themed music video and it was back in the days where most of their music was written collectively so this was where silver scene was just you know a new band on the scene probably super excited about their sophomore album and i think they really hit it out of the park but discovering the waterfront despite that i'm still gonna have you Tell your friend to listen to it on Redux for quality's sake. <laughs> <laughs> I had no so idea the guitar was the finger tapping until Nick pointed it out, like back in college, and it like completely oh, yeah? blew my mind. Like that's what that was. I was like, oh, that's that was, yeah. that's finger tapping right there. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, me and my me and my friends used to cover it in in the basement. We would jam in my friend's basement, and uh, our friend who played guitar and sang couldn't couldn't play it and sing it, or maybe he just couldn't play it. So. I would just do the bass of do 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 do, and my friend would sing, and then we would just like lose our shit for the chorus when it kicks in, and I would do yes. a little do 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 just on my bass. Oh man, just great memories! <laughs> such <laughs> such a fun song to just like rock out to. Yeah, it's so funny that you bring that up. I I as where I too played in a cover band. We never did "Smile in Your Sleep," but it was always one of the songs that I would sit down and play on the drums by myself. Just like full blast in the headphones, rocking out to smile in your sleep. Yeah. Is there a single bass? Yeah, with the single bass, right? Yeah. <laughs> Paul the uh, Paul the drummer is notorious for his single bass pedal. Never graduated <laughs> to the double bass despite their uh their metal nature. <laughs> Do you guys have any part of the song that sticks out for you? Because there's one particular line that I think is probably everyone's favorite at the live show. People go nuts for this one line. Curious to see if you guys can pick it up. You're gravely mistaken. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> You're gravely mistaken. Yeah. Yes. They normally so let awesome. the crowd do that part, right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. Such I think a good my favorite part, though, is like coming out of the breakdown and then like the finger tapping, like it, he adds like a little more to it before mm-hmm. like, it kicks into the final chorus. Yeah. That's oh, one thing yeah, that I yeah. noticed. Might be a delay. That I... Yeah. That's one thing that I noticed when I was listening to them. If you guys look at my listening um, chart, like or my listening guide, a lot of the songs I have starting in the middle and then going to the end because I do think they ramp things up during that last chorus a lot of the times and they add a little bit of extra and you know, that arrangement or that composition gets so much bigger and there's added, uh, like you said, added little details or finger tapping or effects that kind of boost things up to finish out the song. It's like the de facto like set closer, right? For most shows, I feel like with Silver Sheen. Oh, or do I do like my heroine usually? I don't know. That's a good point. I feel like my heroine is usually the one before the intermission, right before the encore. I'm, I'm gonna look it up now while we're talking. You want to? I feel like it's such a good uh, set closer. Smile on your sleeve. Yeah, you, you end on such a high. It, leave it all on the dance floor. I, you know where they've been ending? Uh, um, I can't believe it. they've been ending with the afterglow. That's been that's been their go-to set closer. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I think that's like the last big sing-along piece for them. 
but smile and your sleep is always in there. Oh, yeah. All right. So for our, uh, for our friends at home, you're going to want to pop on smile in your sleep from Redux again. You're going to want to start it at 155 and just let it rip till the end of the song. Alrighty. So for my next personality trait here, I talk about smashed into pieces from when broken is easily fixed, also on Redux as well. And I titled this personality trait, This is Emo, because I, I really don't think they've ever written a more emo slash screamo song than this. And all you need to know is the first line. And if you've never really listened to screaming music, it might be kind of hard to pick out. The lyrics are, and I quote, never again, I'll slit my throat the knife I pulled out of my spine, which <laughs> I just, I don't think it gets more email than that. And no, I don't think it's a Hawthorne Heights a run for their money. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> and, and listen, like, I don't think it gets more email than that, but that is not the only emo line from that song. Cause there <laughs> are some other gems, like maybe when you come into the fire, I'd rather die than have to see your smile. The, uh, I mean, when they wrote the song, Oh, I would love to know what type of headspace Shane was in. This was, <laughs> this was a oh, we're a screamo band, and this is what screamo bands do. Or if that's where he was at, but I mean, it created a hell of a song. It's the introduction builds into what is just a straight up ripper, right? The guitar riff over the the snare drum rolling through, right? It's so much fun live. You can feel a lot of emotion and anger behind it, despite the fact that some of the lyrics are. A little bit extra right but it's the introduction to their debut album and it's one of those songs that has stood the test of time for them as a band i don't know if it's necessarily stood the test of time when it comes to production value or lyrics but it's a hell of a song to listen to live and it's it's a fun one to jam out to and scream along with when you sent this over to us like i got really excited you included a bunch of redux tracks like and this is like Exhibit A, because like when broken is easily fixed is a really rough listen now. When <laughs> yes, you go back and listen to it, yeah, it really is, yeah. And like this version does pretty much blow away that original. Yeah. And it shows like how much they've grown in that time since. But like, yeah, like I don't remember the last time I listened to that album in full because it really is like, I was like, how did I listen to this so much like back then? Because like it's really, I feel like it's like night and day between that and discovering the waterfront. Yeah, what's funny about that album is it's one of my favorites by them because it was the album that sold me on them as a band. But one of my favorite ways to listen to the album is the live version they did of When Broken is Easily Fixed from their 15-year anniversary tour. The um, That's a fun the version. Oh, it's so much fun. Me, me and my buddy Benny, who is... I'll talk about him a few times because him and I really bro down about Silverstein. But the introduction is just the the robot voice that they use within um bleeds no more so it's it's very similar to that and it's just this ro robot woman welcoming you to the show and then it counts down like five four three two one smashed into pieces and then it just <laughs> comes in with that insane introduction and it just it hits so hard live it gets me so excited listening to it i don't think i get that jacked up for a live album but it's a lot of fun and i Brett, to your point about the production value, I think that's something that they were pretty cognizant of because 
the Smashed Into Pieces version from Redux is actually the second time they've re-recorded that album. On the 10-year anniversary of When Broken is Easily Fixed, they re-recorded it and released it as the a single thing, with a music right? video. Yeah, not, not the whole album, just Smashed Into Pieces. What am I thinking of? Um, I think they do have a remastered version that came out that around it. that time, too. Yeah. Because Arrivals and Departures, they remastered, too, like last year, I think. So yeah. There's like yeah. two different versions on Spotify now. Yeah, I was going to talk to you a little bit about that later on, because I know when we were talking a couple of days ago, you asked me about Arrivals and Departures, but yeah. we can get there in my bonus section, because I do have some thoughts about their, their remastered version of that. If you are listening at home, you're just going to want to start it right off the bat, really feel that introduction. Again, listen to that Redux version and go till about 51 seconds in. It's a great album. That was a great tour too. That was when I started digging into that album front to back a lot because I knew I was seeing mm-hmm. it in full. Yeah. And I'm definitely with Brett where it's like, oh wow, yeah, this is the first album for sure. <laughs> you <laughs> could just just the quality wise, but you could hear it in their songwriting that like everything's yeah. there, which is I love. That was a fun yeah, tour. I went to I went to that one twice. I saw uh I think Asbury Lanes, that was the first time that I had ever been there. And the first time that oh, I great. saw, because they did like a, they did two different legs of that tour. They ended up coming back around on it. The first time they played oh, the yeah. two bonus tracks. And then the second time around, they were at Starland and they didn't play the two bonus tracks. Was that with, so I'm wondering if, was that tour with Hawthorne Heights? Right. Uh, yeah, maybe. Right. Yeah, I think it might have been. Yeah, yeah, I saw them at, I think familiar. it was called Warsaw in New York. And it was just like some like Russian. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It Pol- was sick. Pol- Poland. Oh, yeah, shit. like an old Polish. <laughs> My bad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Nick. <laughs> you said it. Um, My best yeah, friend's Polish. <laughs> uh, My last name is Polish. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh man. All right, so for my next category, my next personality trait, uh, I have retrograde from Dead Reflection, and the the trait that I put this along with is called feeling heavy. And I think it's one of their heaviest songs, and this is for that metal or melodic card for uh, hardcore fan in your life. It's a song that you need to listen to if you need a release, if you are feeling angry, you're upset, or you just need to get out some emotion. You're gonna want to crank this one and just let loose. So. Yes. Dead Reflections, another song from the, uh, or Retrograde, sorry, is another song from Dead Reflection. Has that same writing team as the Afterglow, which is really interesting, right? Those two songs have a pretty different contrast to them. Um, And you really feel, and you can kind of figure out what Shane was going through when you listen to this album. I think the, the way he performs this song, you can understand that the emotion that he was feeling at this time of his life was probably hitting him a little bit harder than some of those previous albums. My favorite part of this song, and you guys can tell me if you guys have a favorite part, but the bridge into the breakdown, yeah. in my opinion, yeah. is just one what, of the hardest hitting things that they've ever done. When he's talking. The, yeah. Um, yeah, when he's talking, which is such a, like, I just think back to when I first started listening to Silverstein and they had a talking part on Red Light Pledge. And it was so weird for me to hear that just the music kind of drops off and he kind of talks through almost some poetry there back in the day to, to Red Light Pledge and 
this transforms though, right? It sounds less like poetry and more like this cathartic release for him. And the, the lyrics are, so I walked out to the valley. I let myself feel the sun on my bare back and melt the dirt off my skin. I let the breeze of the wind, <laughs> I let the breeze of the winds cleanse me. I let the elements in. Scream it. It's my only thing option. Like, <laughs> oh my God. Like if you haven't, been alone or even with some buddies like i do this alone I, I don't do this with my friends but if you're not in your car or in your living room with this thing jacked up as loud as you can and you you don't scream along with that i just i feel like you have no soul right like that is one of the best things that silverstein has ever done and it is so much fun at the live show i'm trying real hard not to scream it right now into this because there's a <laughs> microphone in front of all we all yeah. have microphones in front of us and oh, yeah the, the little the little drum kick when Oh my god, so it's good. so good and yeah. so so good live when you everyone in the pit knows that we're just about it's to start coming. fucking raging. It's great. Yeah, yeah, it uh, it really, I, just, it hits so hard live and. I've kind of outgrown moshing as I've gotten older. Not for Silverstein. I spend <laughs> that entire show in the pit, there singing and sweating with a bunch of dudes, and it's amazing. <laughs> oh man, I feel like. I feel like I'm a little bit too old for it now, but I, I have my own uh, my own mosh sessions at home specifically nice. to this song. So <laughs> yeah, this might be one of one of my favorites of all time by them. It's definitely in my top five. Is this uh, their heaviest guitar riff, you think? Oh no. Like uh, I think I mean, I think you might be onto something there because it might not be the heaviest song that they've ever written. Because I think the altar part of the altar oh, yeah, might, yeah. might be the hardest thing that they've ever done, but like the strictly altar is... riff wise. It's, yeah, yeah. This was... has gotta be in like drop C because it comes in so I was gonna deep, say that, but... yeah, yeah. Feels like it's a drop C thing. It it has that big slow chug to it, right? And I think maybe that's why it's one of their their hardest riffs where altar is really fast and aggressive and in your face. Yeah. Oh, it's in it's in B. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So this might be the heaviest thing that they've ever done. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh man. That's awesome. all right. So yeah. So for the people at home, that's that's the part of the song that I have highlighted. You're gonna want to start at 156 and then just let it play out to the end. Also, I say a lot of stupid stuff on this podcast, and I'm realizing that Warsaw is the capital of Poland, and I'm feeling yeah. really dumb from before. So I just would like to just acknowledge that before we move on i mean listen i'm really glad that you backtracked and took care of that i just had to I had, I had to for myself yeah. all right anyway all right so my next song choice is a song called a midwestern state of emergency from i am alive and everything that i touch or i am alive and everything i touch it is under the personality trait. I call it If You Want to Feel. And this might be a personal thing for me, but I think it's the perfect song for when you're overwhelmed in life and you just want to hide from all the stress. This is the song that you want to share with someone that you know is maybe going through a tough time or feels like they have the weight of the world on their shoulders and they just need a little bit of a break. Um, the second chorus is extended and, and it really encompasses what I'm often feeling when life gets busy or overwhelming, which... And you've got two kids and you're back in school and you're trying to meet ends meet. That's something that I really empathize with a lot lately. 
So the lines are, so lay me down in the fields and put me under the trees in the tall grass where they won't find me, enjoying silence and peace until the sirens, they come back screaming, taking me away. I lost a piece of myself and I forgot how to slow down and just breathe and it's scaring me. I've given all I can give, so don't let me go. I don't know, there's just something about it that really resonates me, that yearning and that wanting to just kind of hide away, right? And really give yourself some time to take a break from everything that's going on in life. So this is one for me that when I'm feeling it, I put this on and I just let that chorus rip. It's uh, another patented Silverstein transition into some heavy screens. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know how familiar you guys are to this one, but they have this part of the song that's just like, I am a dead man. I am a dead man. And it's the only way it could end into this great breakdown with a really great guitar rift in. For me, this is this is another example of what Silver Scene is all about. It's a it's great a, pick. And I feel like yeah. they, for some reason, I feel like they play Face of the Earth more off this album than this song, and I'm not sure why. Yeah, I feel the same way. I, I've seen them play this a couple times, but you're right, but as of late, it feels like when they're representing I Am Alive and everything I touch on their tours, they go over to face of the earth and I don't know. It's just not the same quality to me as a Midwestern no. state of emergency. This album kind of snuck by me. Now that I'm looking at it. Yeah, it's. Towards it's their bottom album. half, probably if we were, if we were to rank them. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a so, bad album. It's just. It's, it's not a bad album, but if you're looking at the second half of their career after Paul Mark joined the band, I think it's at the bottom of the list. Yeah. I agree with that. Right. It's this is how the wind shifts into I am alive and everything I touch into dead reflection into a beautiful place to drown and then into misery made me all really great albums. But I think like what Nick was talking about, this one might have snuck past some people. And if you're looking for evidence to that, just look at their live shows. You yeah. you get a song or you get nothing at all from it. Wow. It's got a cool concept to it. It's split up into four chapters and each of the chapters represents different regions of North America. So like this one in particular represents Detroit, Michigan. Um, I, I really, I like the touch of their Quebec song. Jamie Souviens is in French because they speak French in Quebec. So I thought that was like a nice little touch by them, but um, this entire thing was written by Shane. And I find it interesting that this is the last time that that happens. Um, as a band and I do wonder whether not that Shane's a bad songwriter right like Shane's a really amazing songwriter and I see I think you see that on Dead Reflection but I think there is something there where maybe this album snuck by some people and it's the last time that they didn't either use co-writers or work on the music a little bit more collectively than the songwriting credits would lead you to believe whatever they changed work though because like they rattled off like three bangers in a row <laughs> oh my god yeah without a doubt without a doubt i love the line you picked too like lay me down in the field and put me yeah. under the trees because it's kind of cool like he's like you said he's singing about like almost hiding like where they won't find me but he puts himself in a field like under trees and grass so like he's still out in the open i don't know yeah it's kind of that, like a that cool is interesting little... yeah yeah, it's very visual to me. I, I always can very vividly picture that in my head and kind of understand why that would feel serene to someone who's doing that. Yeah. I would love to know how they come up with these melodies because they're so good. 
Yes. <laughs> They're so catchy. And it's like breathing just, to them. It's amazing. Yeah. All right. So for the people at home, if you want to listen, I'm going to have you listen from about 145 to 250. You're going to get a chorus, and then you're going to get that heavier part, the screaming into the breakdown, into the guitar riff. All right, you guys ready for my next category here? So ready. this next this next category or personality trait is more of a rule that I have when it comes to Silverstein. And that rule is called never skip a short song. So <laughs> I know I know Frank was talking about it last week. He's a big playlist guy. I'm a big shuffle guy. So I, I know you guys are, are Spotify listeners, but I've been doing the, the iPod thing for a very, very long time. And a lot of the music on my phone for those original tracks that I had on my my iPod. So that music seamlessly integrates with Apple Music. So I have my whole library on there. And usually I pop into my car, I hit shuffle, and I just click through until I find something that I'm feeling that day. But my, like I said, my own personal rule is to never skip a short song from Silverstein because they're all a minute and a half or less. They come from the album short songs. And there are just some really great songs from the album there. They're short, they're to the point, and they're a lot of fun to listen to. So the one that SOS. I, yes, it, yeah. it, there are so many really, really good ones. I had such a hard time picking this. When I first had my playlist, I had four written down. I have the one that I picked, World on Fire, but then I had My Miserable Life, Sleep Around in Brookfield. All really, really great songs that showcase Shane and they showcase you know, that dynamic of going from screaming to singing. But I decided to go with World on Fire. Um because of that dynamic where it starts off really heavy and it's in your face with the screams, it's fast paced, it's hard hitting, and then it swings immediately into one of those big, wide sweeping silver scene choruses, uh, the big sing along moment of the song. And that's all you get, right? You get the hard hitting verse, you get the sing along chorus, and then it ends because it's a short song. But if you like it, they did an extended version on Redux too. And I thought that was really, really cool. When I saw that in Redux 2 and I got to experience that song as a full-fledged Silverstein um, album from or track from a normal album, I was really excited about that. I think that the extended version is great, but the, the shorter version is really fun. Like I said, it's that nice, quick little Silverstein hit. So that's, that's my rule here. If you're a Silverstein fan... Add short songs to your library and never skip a short song. I have completely broken your rule. I don't think I've ever listened to this album. No, <laughs> I don't you know. Short songs. I don't know what what happened. Oh my I, god! I, I, so I really don't now. think I have. I'm kind of <laughs> I'm excited because now I get to hear it. Yeah. So I think what we'll do, maybe we'll pause here and we'll we'll rifle through a couple of short songs because they are so <laughs> short. Yeah. Let's. Let's do that. I'm down. All right, cool. You know the ones they play live. I feel like I'm going to recognize songs off of this because, like, you, yeah, I've seen them like eight or nine times or something. So, like, I don't know. I just don't. I've never like clicked play on this album before. All right. Well, let's let's click let's play. Uh, for those at home, you're gonna want to listen to "World on Fire" from Short Songs. The entire thing because it's short. <laughs> All right. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> all right i definitely 
definitely need to listen to all those songs and it should only take me like 20 minutes which is nice listen a couple times yeah okay. i think matt said it before but it is just like all the parts of silverstein song just like smushed smushed up you got hard screaming part then a really nice pre-chorus then a super catchy chorus and then maybe goes out on a breakdown 30 seconds done <laughs> like a bowl of halloween candy <laughs> That's what you got to show someone to get them into it. Be like, listen to this 30 seconds. What what 12 second clip do you like the best? <laughs> yeah. Like I said, yeah, then you can go from there, right? Each one leads you down a different silver yeah. scene path. <laughs> While we were listening, Nick, you described them as bite-sized. And I like that a lot. I wish I had thought of that. No, that, that was Brett. Brett said bite-sized. Got was it? it? Yeah. Sorry, Brett. All good. That's all Brett. That was all Brett. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm just picturing silver steam pizza bagels. I'm just picturing Halloween candy. all right so for my next personality trait i went with more than just an acoustic acoustic song and i decided to talk about aquamarine here and they did a little short ep that had afterglow and aquamarine acoustic i had such a hard time trying to pick an acoustic song that they did and i knew that i needed to include one and the reason why I wanted to include an acoustic song from Silverstein is because they're always so well done um, from the production value to the arrangement, to the composition being a little bit more unique than the original. It feels like you're getting a song that you're familiar with or you're getting truly what is a new version of that song. It's not just a bunch of guys with acoustic guitars, aside from that My Heroine one that we were talking about before, Nick. But all of the more recent acoustic stuff that they've done, they they tend to put a new spin on it and the arrangement is something fresh, which I really enjoyed. I decided to go with this specific one because I think a lot of people associate the song with Afterglow. And to an extent, Silverstein must do that as well because they released the two of them together on an acoustic EP. But the Afterglow seems so, I guess, upbeat and happy and hopeful, where aquamarine sounds like shane at his lowest devastation of not being good enough for someone it's a pretty deep dive about shane's devastation with that failed relationship and i think it covers that overwhelming sense of just not being good enough for someone which is something that we've all felt right like a ring in a box but not for me it's still or it's not a diamond it's aquamarine and it's just a really great metaphor of giving something super valuable to someone and that super valuable thing is yourself right like giving yourself to someone and understanding that you're extremely valuable but you're not on a diamond right everyone's looking for an for a diamond when they get in, engaged this metaphor talks about giving someone an aquamarine instead and there's nothing wrong with an aquamarine but if you think that you're someone's diamond and you find out you're their aquamarine it can be devastating right it shows you that you're not for that person and you're really just not what they're looking for and that's a hard thing to to accept and i think that's what you get from this song is shane's acceptance that he's not good enough for whoever that person was in his life so i think the acoustic version you just feel that more which is interesting because we were talking about this before nick talked about the breakdown in the full band version and that breakdown really is good, right? Like you feel that anger, that frustration. But for me, the acoustic version really just picks up on that that devastation and almost that beauty and what he was feeling then and his ability to turn it into art and turn it into 
creative, you know, masterpiece in, in some regards. So the arrangement builds over the course of the song. And I, I think that is something that Silverstein is really good at and something that you maybe you know, feel a little bit more from this acoustic version. And at the end, you just get this really wide sweeping feeling of emotion. And for me, it's just the best of the best when it comes to their acoustic stuff. With that, I'm going to put my challenge flag back in my pocket following your explanation. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> like originally when you sent the list over, I was like, oh, I thought like Replace You would be like my go-to acoustic track. But now mm -hmm. after listening to like everything you just said and <laughs> listening to it for the first time today, too, because I didn't even know this track was out there. Yeah. I, guess I just yeah. missed this EP. But like this is definitely up there with like top tier acoustic Silverstein. Yeah, I was between uh, this replace you and California because I think California is That's really cool acoustically. Too. Yeah, the guitar, the guitar work in that is awesome. But I ended up going with this um, just because of the background of the song, and it's funny. I I did a lot of probing. Like I talked to a lot of Silverstein fans in my life, and I asked them uh, to give me three songs. I was like, all right, give me three songs that you would show someone if you're trying to introduce them to Silverstein. And this was my wife's pick. So I had to give her a little shout out. Oh, there you go. This is the one where she was like, I feel like you have to do Aquamarine Acoustic. It's the one that I catch her listening to all the time. So I was like, all right, I'll, uh, that was kind of what won me over for for bringing that to the table today for my acoustic, uh, more than just an acoustic acoustic song. Yeah, that's a great pick. And I never really dissected the lyrics like that. And it's makes so much sense. And it's, well like thought out that's like i have a whole new perspective on that song now yeah that's cool yeah. the uh for the people at home if you're gonna listen you're gonna want to start this one at 218 and just let it play out through the end and you're gonna get a real sense of that emotion and how the song starts to become a little bit bigger than just an acoustic song as the the chorus leads you into the the ending of that song i think just while we're on the topic of acoustic silverstein i just want to shout mm -hmm. out call it karma i oh, really yeah. love that song and yeah uh, what, what was it on um 18 was... candles i think they had an uh, acoustic version of it yeah yeah that is yeah. i mean it's kind of like acoustic like a easy lighter easier song i guess um what? guitar wise like um what am i saying like it's not like a <laughs> heavy song it's almost yeah, it's acoustic a heavy nature, but the acoustic yeah. version is just i don't know it's just nice it was one of the first songs i tried to learn on my own acoustics so that was one of the uh the big surprises for me when i was asking around um whether or not people would or what songs people would recommend if they would recommend three silver scene songs and more people than i expected said call it karma my uh our buddy mahoney mentioned call it karma and I, I posted that same question on the, the Silverstein fan group on Facebook. I don't often use oh, nice. Facebook, but I, I jumped back in to, to ask some people what they thought. And many of them brought up Call of Karma, which for me, I think of Call of Karma. I always just think of my my little brother's AOL instant messenger away message was just always Call of <laughs> Karma. Literally the and my brother who, oh God, he literally just went on like lyrics.com or whatever and copied and pasted the entire song into his, his away <laughs> That's message. That's amazing. So Those were the didn't, even, didn't even pick out a part. My brother, who's <laughs> insanely creative too, like plays guitar, 
Uh, put the whole song up. <laughs> was in a was in a touring band who who did a summer of warp tour and and had some very minor minor success. But yeah, that's what he was doing back in middle school. Was just posting all of karma, call it karma, and his away message on AIM. Uh, that's amazing. <laughs> I always think of the dueling guitar solos, like right in the yeah, middle. yeah. Oh, it is good. It it is a really good one. All right. So for my next personality trait. I wanted to highlight something that I call a certified banger. And this is Ultraviolet from Misery Made Me. This is a huge arena rock type track that they self-promote as the best song that they've ever written. And when I was talking to my wife about this, she's like, how are you going to sit here and say that this is an arena rock song when Silverstein doesn't play arenas? <laughs> so I had... That's a great point. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great point. Uh I did have two rebuttals to that. I did recently see them play with Beartooth in a minor league hockey arena. It was like the Cure Insurance <laughs> Arena. I'm not going to lie. Ultraviolet was pretty damn good. But and it's like the take... New Jersey Devils like theme song yes, this year. Yes, exactly. Brett. That was going to be my next point is that they do play in an arena all the time. It's the New Jersey Devils theme song. So I had to throw that out there. I know, Brett, you're a Devils fan, right? I am. Yep, yep. So I had to throw in, uh, had to throw in Ultraviolet for you. That was pretty cool. Their first game of the season, Silverstein was there. Yeah, they're like they, they took the ice the to the song. Yeah, one of them, uh, one of them wrote a Zamboni, I think. Like he brought it up to one of the people that worked there as a joke, and she's like, "Sure, we'll put you on a Zamboni." And um, they came out with a collab too. Did you see that T-shirt collab that they did, Silverstein Devils T-shirt? Yeah, Nick yelled at me for not getting it. Yeah, I feel like you should own that T-shirt. Yeah. So some of the notes I had on this is just a really big, progressive, and spanning song. Uh, and the the pre breakdown is ten out of ten. Another talk ish type of section from Silverstein, but the fifty thousand volts reborn in electricity, sell my soul for dopamine. I mean, it doesn't get like they literally amp you up by talking about amps, right? Voltage, right? <laughs> Voltage amps is that the same yeah. thing? <laughs> uh, if you and don't I want to rewire run... my head, yeah, yeah. If, if you don't want to run through a wall after hearing this, you're <laughs> the problem, in my opinion. <laughs> Uh, it's a catchy chorus uh, it, it brings the entire song together without it the track might come off as disjointed but there's just something about that chorus that brings everything together um, and what's interesting is this was written by Paul Mark but he co-wrote it with Cody Keystead from Wage War and I think I'm going to double check this right now as we're talking but I think Cody from Wage War also co-wrote a data remembers new single miracle does that sound familiar pretty sure he did yeah this is just a, a great example of why bands especially established bands that have been yep. doing this for a really long time should take advantage of co-writing and working with other musicians on their music so it brings in a fresh fresh set of ears and can bring maybe some ideas or some different ways of thinking about music to the table and I know we talked about Newfound Glory, Brett, but they're a band that I think could benefit from that so greatly. Right? Like oh, they've been yeah. doing the same thing for you know, 25 plus years. And I think their songwriting has just gotten so stale over the last few albums. Like imagine if Newfound Glory went into the studio and, and worked with some of these people from different genres who brought in some new ideas and maybe kind of revitalized what they were doing. So it's a really good example of that. They um, for sure need that. Yeah, like, right? I don't think 
like who writes their songs right now? Is it Chad still? I think Chad is writing most of yeah. the lyrics. It's just not great. No. I love Chad. All, all my love to Chad and my newfound glory fandom. But um, so yeah, like I said before, it's it's written by uh, Paul Mark and, and Cody Keystead. But from what I understand about their songwriting process, the songs are like, especially with Misery Made Me, most of it was written by Paul and Paul Mark and you know some co-writers, but they do bring it into the studio and everyone does have a contribution on that final track in the, the recording process. So while they're credited as the songwriters, I do think that, you know, the other members of the band do have some input as to, you know, what the final product looks looks like in the end, if that makes sense. You need a ton of features on this new album, too. Yeah, I... Um, the last two albums, I should say. The... We're gonna, we're gonna talk about a feature later on, but one thing that I'll tell you now that we're on the topic about the features is the features on the most the two most recent albums they let the people featuring write their part on the album, which I always wondered why that was. You know how they they decide to give that creative liberty to the people that they want to bring on the album. I think it might have something to do with Paul Mark's songwriting process. He says that he doesn't ever really write second verses to songs. So when he's demoing songs, he'll write the opening verse, he'll write the chorus. And then when he's recording the second verse, he just does like mouth noises to the to the <laughs> melody of that part. And they played a few of those demos on the podcast. It's really funny. So I'm wondering if he's like, well, I don't really write second verses. So let's let some other people write second verses <laughs> and they can they can uh, jump on and be a feature on the album. So if you're going to listen to this song at home, you're going to want to turn it on at 140 and let it play till the end. You're going to get that 50,000 volts part. And you will, uh, like I said, if you don't want to run through a wall after this, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> All right. So my next uh, personality trait here is for the person who just really enjoys a nice, big, epic production filled song. And I went with A Great Fire from A Shipwreck in the Sand. So I, I knew I needed to represent A Shipwreck in the Sand somehow on this list. And the first song that I thought about was Vices. And Vices is a really great mainstay of their live show. And it's a really great, fun, and, you know, up, not up, but really fast-paced song to listen to. But I went with A Great Fire because I think it kind of encompasses that Re, uh, that rebound that Silverstein had from Arrivals and Departures into A Shipwreck in the Sand. It's the first song on the album and you start listening and it immediately sounds bigger and more important than what they did in the past in some ways. It's The intro here is incredibly epic. Um, it's a musical journey in a sense and it's a perfect introduction to their first concept album. It's all about a captain who's lost his ship and you know, no one on his ship believes in what he's about as a captain anymore and they're trying to navigate that journey with a group of people who no longer have faith in you. So, so in my opinion, a really awesome introduction to the album and it shows you maybe a side to their songwriting process that they didn't have in the past. So the, the part that I highlighted starts at 226 and it's a bridge into a chorus and 
hits home even more now that I have kids because it's talking about a little girl, right? It says, there you were, six years old, the ashes in your hair. You're not scared. You've seen so much pain in so few years. And then it, it just feels big. It feels meaningful. And I think it's a nice introduction to what Silverstein can do versus what they have to do as a band, if that makes sense. Yeah, this this is a great pick because this song is just incredible songwriting from storytelling to instrumentals. The guitar riff that like goes over the chorus um, is so good. The part you just talked about, like the bass is just like doing these like like drop downs oh, yeah. during it. And it just, mm -hmm. oh man, yeah. It just, yeah, it feels like a huge song and it's such a good album opener. And it has some talking, like some spoken word stuff that we kind of touched on earlier. Mm -hmm. just a little bit but it's definitely one of like the earlier introductions of it for silverstein i, th I think Agreed. so for the people uh, listening at home you're going to want to start at 226 and again go to the end of the song you'll get everything that you need to know about that song but honestly start from the beginning right get the get the full journey there Maybe all you right, can so, let the album play all the way through too. Yeah, right. <laughs> it is a cool album, right? It does it does tell a story. It's very visual and and paints a nice picture. And there's some, there's some good songs on that. A lot of live staples on there too. Yeah, like Broken Stars, oh, yeah. they come Broken back stars. to all the time. I was thinking about it. I think Broken Stars might be their like one true breakdown as a band, like a a non lyrical breakdown where they just really get into the nitty gritty. There, it's a pretty epic breakdown. Yeah. All right, so my next category I have on here specifically because we, uh, you know, during this exercise of Roadmap series, you guys had Frank on last time to do Bayside. So this category is called For the Bayside Fans. And it's... <laughs> I love this all... connection. I hope it continues. For the Bayside... Sean next. <laughs> yeah. For the Bayside fans or for the new Bayside fans... Yeah, that we're listening to Frank's breakdown of Bayside last month. Um, so I, I went with Texas Mickey off of Rescue. And this is a great song regardless of the category. However, like I said before, I would be remiss if I didn't make that connection between the two Roadmat series. Uh, Silverstein obviously does a lot of features, but I think this is one of the best just because of the quality of Anthony's vocals. Him carrying the bridge leading into the final verse with Shane screaming over his, vocal, uh, his vocals is perfection. It's so good. Uh, it's a great snapshot of the scene from the early 2000s, right? You have one of the the big screamo mainstays and one of the, I don't even, how would you categorize Bayside back in the day? Emo, alternative, maybe? They were on Victory, right? They were both Victory uh, label mates back then. Uh, it was written by Shane, and eventually there was a shift there, but this is why Shane is such a great songwriter, this album, and Pairing his his screaming over Anthony's vocals is, is like I said, just so good. Also, uh, also covers another rule that I have about Silverstein is that if they have the name of a state in the song, it's probably a good song. It's <laughs> another good rule. It's a great rule. <laughs> you you got to put out the, the Silverstein <laughs> commandments. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So those are those are the twelve songs that I that I had for you guys, but. I had to throw in one last song. That was the author's pick, me being the author in this situation. And that song, Sacrifice, also off Rescue. So I had to include this because it is one of my favorite Silverstein songs of all time. And 
I feel like if you are introducing someone to a band after you've shown them what everyone knows, you should show them what you know. What is your favorite song? So this is, this is up there for me when it comes to Silverstein. It's heavy. It's poppy. It has a gigantic bridge. That's perfect for singing at the top of your lungs in, uh, in your car. Right? I do this often on my ride to work. I've got about an hour commute to work and it usually gets me ready for the day. And the lyrics are, I cannot breathe the way I feel about you suffocates. I will not speak the words I feel about you go to waste. I will, uh, I will lay here until my body washes up on shore. I'll sacrifice with everything I believed in before. And then it kind of pauses and it's just like, I'll get back up and do it again. And it's so good. And it makes me so happy. I, I usually say it as loud as I can and then re uh, rewind it a few times and do it over and over again. I feel like I'm ready to go for the day. Um, it's frequent flyer at a lot of their live shows. Brett and I were talking about this before. It's in their top 10 most songs played live. And Rescue might not be their strongest album, but the highs are very high. And this is a great example of that. Like we mentioned this like before we were recording, but like this was like the one album they haven't done on Redux, on Redux yet. On mm -hmm. either one of them. So I'm curious mm -hmm. if they do come back to Rescue at some point or like I really want to know why they're leaving it off. Yeah, it's sure. a great point. It's a great point. Another amazing melody, too. The way he like yes, drags out yeah. sac uh is it sacrifice? Satisfy. Yeah. Um I one one lyric I, I always get wrong, but um satisfy your worst like he drags that out. Oh yeah, yeah, you know how yeah, it goes, yeah. but yes, just yeah, yeah, sure. the delivery. It's just so good. Like I don't know how people think of these amazing melodies, but I would love mm -hmm. to be able to do that. I agree. Also a candidate for best Silverstein riff to this song. It's it's awesome. <laughs> it's heavy, it's poppy, it's everything i want from silverstein right you mentioned one of the best riffs so i think that might be your opening to just shout out your sword versus my dagger since I, you, that's my one challenge about it. <laughs> yeah yeah what's that did... not making the list because for me like that i think that's just because like it's like a personal choice because like that's what launched my silverstein fandom yeah and like hooked me in immediately like it's hard uh -huh. not to be addicted to them after first hearing that song but seeing everything you laid out here and like all these songs, like I know some had to be cut. Yeah. It was, it's so hard to come up with a, a list. That's not all of their songs. And yeah. I feel like oh, wow. when you're, when you're talking about Silverstein and you were trying to provide a roadmap that kind of encompasses their entire career, how do you pick more than two songs off an album? <laughs> and I, I love your sword versus my dagger. Like I agree with you. That was a song that I would play on repeat nonstop. Yeah. And high school, me realizing that they made a Shakespeare reference in there, and my mind was blown. Like thinking back, thinking back to it, that that is not as clever as I thought it was back in the day. But yeah, it's a it's a great song. But how do you how do you put that on a list like this over "Smile in Your Sleep" in my heroin? It's true. Yeah, yeah. I just picture and it like live too, like where the guitars go back to back, like right in the middle. Yes. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's so good. With the uh, bass solo yeah between that the bass that. i was just about the bass part that's doing like the main riff and then like the little breakdown where instead of doing the riff it just does the rhythm of the riff with the like every instrument does the riff at some point in that song because that part's kind yeah of, yeah i don't know it's just yeah they're great love this band <laughs> it's a great map do. great map matt so do you guys mind if I uh, just rifle through some some bonus stuff? I won't spend a lot of time on them. Just some shout outs to some different songs that I couldn't talk about more fully here. 
Yeah, he definitely. had some great like uh, I guess I'll call them B sides here. Uh But what so, I do want you to talk about, especially, is the River Oaks one because I never heard, I never knew there was something other than Silverstein that Shane did before. So I really want to hear you get into that one too at some point. Yeah, it's it's something that I've known he's done for a while. I've heard River Oaks being spoken about often by his fans. Like you see people asking him about River Oaks all the time. When are you gonna make more River Oaks music? And I think it was like a month ago, maybe maybe two months ago, Rise Records was doing this gigantic vinyl sale where they were just offloading all their vinyls for like seven seven dollars, but they had some seven inches that were going for five bucks. And one of them was that Aquamarine Afterglow Acoustic EP, but then I noticed that the River Oaks album was on there. And I was like, you know what? Like, it's five bucks. Let me buy it and check it out. So I went to Apple Music and I realized that those three songs are the only songs that he's ever recorded as River Oaks. And now I understand why people are asking him about it all the time. And I think probably the reason why he never did more River Oaks music is because River Oaks is just Silverstein called River Oaks. It's you. Uh, I, I would say maybe that's the only downfall to Shane being as amazing as a vocalist as he is, is that everything he does sounds like Silverstein. So yeah. if, if I had point. to guess, that's why he never did more of that. But if you've never heard of River Oaks before, it's three songs. The first one's called Let You Down, and it's so good. It's, it's a very good song. I couldn't believe I never heard it before, but like I listened to it like eight times today. Yeah, I've listened to it so much as well. Yeah. In the last month or so, I probably have like close to 50 listens. I just throw it on to start my day. And sometimes I'm going to bed. I'm like, if it, I'll throw it on before I fall asleep. Um, some other some other quick things that I wanted to mention. If you've got like a, a music nerd in your life that really likes interesting songwriting, um, you should show them on Brave Mountains We Conquer and also on Major Mountains We Conquer from Redux. Just taking a song that was recorded in a minor key and then recording it in a major key seems not like it doesn't seem like something that would be that complex of an idea but it just works so well in this situation takes a song that doesn't sound super happy and makes it sound like a happy pop pop song and kind of like the redux version of that more and the one of the other things i was curious if you guys had ever discovered is from this is how the wind shifts so this is how the wind shifts they have two songs one's called this is how and the other is called the wind shifts and Later on, you find out they did on the uh, deluxe version of this that if you take those two songs and you play them at the exact same time, it creates a third song called This Is How the Wind Shifts. So the fact that they were doing stuff like that at like halfway through their career, all of a sudden they're like, yeah, we're going to make we're going to take a song and deconstruct it into two songs. And then if you somehow figure out that you can play those two songs (laughs) on top of each other, it's giving you a third song. That's that's got to be some of the things that Paul Mark brought to the much of the band in my opinion because that was their first album with him and that that was a really cool revelation when i figured that out that's amazing. next level thinking i i'd imagine it's on youtube somewhere so i don't have to find two i could well, just play you, from like my laptop deluxe, and my phone yeah. i guess it it's on the deluxe version so you don't oh, have to. okay yeah, yeah. yeah but i want <laughs> <laughs> um what else alter mary is one of their newer songs that they didn't think was going to work but i just think so it yeah. works so well it the was po- really the podcast episode on that they did was really interesting. Yeah, it was awesome live just seeing them the full band go at it. And then during the break where they kind of go from the altar to the Mary, the entire band leaves the stage and you just hear those big like chairs um, being thrown or whatever's going yeah, on. Yeah, right. You hear those big like uh, those keyboard notes like the war 
And all of a sudden, Shane walks back up on stage and he just does the ending of the song. It was it was pretty cool to see live. Oh, it's amazing. Um, yeah, we missed that leg of the tour because yeah, they didn't really bring it over here. <laughs> like I think I they guess. did, they did they one did up the... in like New York State somewhere that was kind of like a hike for us. I... No, I went to Starland to see that. Yeah, with Amity yeah. Affliction, they did the. Yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'm thinking two ago. So I guess we just missed the last one. That's yeah, I think a September They're... show. Their last, their, their last two tours, they opened for Beartooth, and then they, oh, that's um, that's it. Yeah, they co co-headlined. they co-headlined yeah. with Amity Affliction, so they they weren't true Silverstein headlining tours. And that's why um, I didn't go because I wanted yeah. a true headline show. Yeah, I know. I was hoping I was hoping that Silverstein played first that night so I could get out of there a little bit early, but <laughs> I was not rewarded with that hope. <laughs> Um, and then I guess the last thing Brett and I before the podcast started, we were talking a little bit about arrivals and departures. And if you're going to listen to a song from that, I would listen to If You Could See Into My Soul from the 2002 remastered version. That was that same uh, producer, Sam, Sam Guana. He kind of revisited that album with them. And I will say he did a really nice job on it. It's, it's not always easy to pick out what he did, but you can tell he did something, if that makes sense just it just sounds better on the ears and that would be the one my one go-to from that song i just found it like today they had the 2022 remix remaster so now i feel like my homework is to <laughs> listen to that and see if i like yeah. it better than i did when i was 16 like the first four songs on it really aren't that bad i think it kind of loses steam and maybe that has a little bit to do with the fact that they they wrote a lot of it in the studio I found um, it at my record store like a month or two ago, and now I'm curious what version I have because I'm not even sure. But it seems like if they remastered it, maybe they did a repressing. They did, yeah. It was a record store day exclusive. Oh, so maybe it must be that then. Yeah, I, I think so. It comes with a seven inch inside of it too. Uh, maybe the person who sold this back to the record store kept the seven inch. <laughs> I didn't find it in there. <laughs> Um, and then the last one that I wanted to bring up, I didn't get to talk about anything off of A Beautiful uh, beautiful Place to Drown, which is a shame because I think it's one of their better albums, but I couldn't really find a spot for a song in this in this roadmap series. But if you're going to listen to something from that, I'd go with Bad Habits. It's uh, become a mainstay in their, their live set list, and it has a, a lot of fun Easter eggs in it. Have you guys picked up on any of these? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. So they they are. Yeah. So that... So you know how I was talking about second verse, how Paul doesn't write second verse? Yeah. It's almost like he wrote the song, and then for the second verse, they're like, oh, let's have a little fun and like shout out Silver Scene in the second verse. So they have a line called Drowning in the Silences, which is in silences we drown from This is How the Wind Shifts. The next line is uh, Drown because I don't want to swim. From like They're kind of shouting out uh, a beautiful place to drown. I'm running back to a burning house, a shipwreck in the sand. Left no short song on song, short songs. Laid down where huh. the train should be. Arrivals and departures. Wow. Yeah. Rescued by a hand in the ocean. Rescue and discovering the waterfront. So like the album cover, reaching into the the water. Oh wow! Um, I like this now, song even more now. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> now I'm alive in the wind's reflection. Now I'm alive from I am alive in everything I touch. In the winds, this is how the wind shifts in reflection, dead reflection. And then the broken record's still spinning when broken is easily fixed. Wow, that's sick. Yeah, is that I awesome? No that's... idea that was all there. Yeah, so that second verse is literally just a shout out to all their previous albums. Oh, it's so cool. 
which they've done a, they've done a couple of times, but never to that extent. And it's over. They talk. They say I smashed it all into pieces. Um, and our our song is like an Ellen John shout out. So they've shouted out other people um, in their songs, and they've shouted out themselves in their songs, but never to this uh, to this extent. Oh, it's so cool. And we Alrighty, boys. Like right after this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Listen to it. It's cool. It's cool. <laughs> All right, guys. Anything? Uh, anything else that you guys want to add in terms of Silverstein? What What did I miss? What do you guys think I missed? Anything other than a, your sword versus my dagger? That was the only one I thought, and maybe replace you if mm-hmm. you were to add like a second acoustic song. Yeah, but yeah, other what? than that, I feel like you nailed pretty much anything you'd want to give as like a starter kit for Silverstein. Yeah, like cool. you said, like with so much material, it's kind of hard, like. To narrow it down. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. But I had a lot of fun trying to do it. Oh, thank you. Well, you did your homework. Was, yeah. That was <laughs> you I'm guys like just Frank. keep, no, keep setting the bar higher and higher. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you guys for having me on. Like I said, I was I was so excited to have the opportunity to do this and I love talking Silverstein, so this was a great time. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Thanks, Matt. Um, have you back on for uh next time we do a draft. <laughs> We keep pitching drafts, but we haven't uh we haven't uh, got one in the works yet. Yeah, we're, but... we're due for another one soon. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, let's do it. Always down to podcast with you guys. Hell yeah. And all that's left is for us to go see Silverstein together. So hopefully we'll Again. make it happen. Need a headlining show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. They're they're on like a B markets tour right now. I'm going up to see them in Hartford in April. But I think the closest place to Jersey is like East Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania, or something like that. It's like two uh, hours from here. Yeah, yeah. I think an hour from you, though. I think Nick. <laughs> yeah, it's it's closer than it than I thought because I've yeah. I was there for like a bachelor party in that area. Yeah, but yeah, maybe we'll make it happen. Cool. Uh, all right, this is well, awesome though. Thanks yeah. again, Matt. Thanks, Matt. Of course, of course. Thanks, guys. Yep, we'll talk to you soon. All right. See you later, boys. Later.